To be a yogini. Today, I'll be interviewing yogini Catherine Yogamai, also known as Catherine Russ. She has a website called yogamagic.com, and that's magic with a CK. I produce another podcast about magic with a CK, among other things, called The Esoterra Nerd. If you have already heard the Esoterra Nerd episode 69 called Yoga Magic, you've already heard the interview you're about to hear. Since Yoga Magic is just as much about yoga as it is about magic, I couldn't decide in which podcast the interview belonged. And so, it's something of a simulcast. If you happen to not be driving right now, go ahead and go to the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store, depending on which way you swing, and search for Edward Reeb, that's me, yoga. And that's R-E-I-B. And that's B as in brother, not D as in David. Even if you're not in the LA area, you can download that app. You'll notice it says log in or create account. Should you decide to do so, you will be creating an account with MindBodyOnline and will thenceforth be able to conveniently schedule appointments not only with myself but with every yoga studio and instructor on the mind body network and so without further ado let's get to today's interview shall we Greetings. Welcome to the To Be a Yogi podcast. Thank you, Edward. This is the first time we've spoken by voice, but I've known you for years. Would you mind telling us a little bit about your name? Okay, so I was named Yoga Mai um, about three years ago, almost now. Mm -hmm. And um, it was shortly after I created the website Yoga Magic. Mm -hmm. And I was putting, I had another Facebook account called Yoga Magic. And then um, I met a really interesting mystic who actually, um, he's studied a lot of Hindu scripture and also was a, is a Yoruba, actually, priest, a Yoruban priest. So mm -hmm. a really interesting fellow. Interesting. This, what was his name? Shivaji. And he gave you the, he gave you the name Yogamai? Uh-huh. And that's, uh, how do you spell that? It's Y-O-G-A-M-A-Y-I. Nice. So now you're located in Atlanta, Georgia? Yes. Are you there all the time or do you, do you plan on moving? Or? Um, no, I'm not here all the time. Yeah, I'm going to be going to New Orleans in probably about a month. And um, I'll be also teaching in August at the Finger Lakes Yoga Festival in New York. Oh, cool. That sounds like yeah. fun. Mm -hmm. So Yoga Magic is your website, right? Yes, it is. Uh, I was born in West Covina, uh, mm -hmm. part of Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. and, um, I lived there until I was about seven, and then I lived in San Diego. Uh, when I was really young, though, before I even moved to San Diego, I got into tumbling, which I was only briefly exposed to. 
Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it was kind of frustrating. I was really a spoiled brat by the time I was that age, I guess, because I got tap and ballet and I got a few little little fun things that the parents were letting me do. I was really surprised that they were they were going for. And um Now what's tumbling? Tumbling is the pre the precursor to um gymnastics. Okay. Yeah, so they put the little kids through before they put them in gymnastics where they, they pretty much break them and into like little pretzel workhorses. <laughs> but anyway, um I you know, I didn't know how good I had it but being denied being forced into being a gymnastic pretzel workhorse. <laughs> And I don't know, maybe it would have, it probably would have worked out this way anyway, too, because when I was a child, I was into mythology. Mm-hmm. I was into all types of uh, mysterious things, anything that's like fantasy. Uh, I was just always into that type of stuff. Uh, the supernatural became a thing after that. Yeah. You know, so it was like, uh, well, I, I guess like uh, mythology was my, was my gateway drug to the occult. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it goes from, you know, what were these weird gods that uh, distant ancestors used to believe in? It goes from that to how do I interact with them? Yeah, pretty (laughs) much. What are they like? Can they take over my body if I let them? Right. Yeah. (laughs) The questions start to get a little deeper. Like I'd have like an invisible friend, you know, then if like everyone else is being mean to me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think that happens a little a little bit more than we all want to kind of admit that. Yeah, the invisible friend thing. Yeah, so the gymnastics and the and the interest in in the world unseen and um the mysteries and things like this. I think the intersection of those just became a natural thing for me because I was also interested in eating for maximum health. I became interested in that at an early age too. Yeah. And um, I mean the breathing, even the the pranayama stuff that happened just around the same time that I was in tumbling or got kicked out of tumbling or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it was. Uh, I think some movie was out around that time uh, that was about five or six called The Big Blue, and I think it was also you know about free divers. Hmm. Okay, I think I missed and, that one. but Yeah, and it was also, there were some news segments or something, something I remember seeing on television. They gave a detailed description of breathing exercises to retain your breath underwater for extended periods of time. Cool. And so I naturally was like, wow, I, I learned how to swim before I could walk anyway. And mm-hmm. so I was like, I like being under the water. I want to be under the water as long as I can. So naturally... I I went towards the breath exercises too. Yeah. So these all kind of came together and just brought me in the way of being basically a mystic yogi. I recall um you were talking about Kundalini awakening Reiki from a distance or something at one point. Oh yes. Uh Kundalini Reiki mm-hmm. um it does make people think that it might induce a Kundalini awakening. Uh, but it's just it, on your end, right? Yeah, it doesn't really induce the Kundalini awakening. It um, it purifies the passages through which the the Kundalini passes. Mm. So that's the interesting thing. People oh, are so, so it's a preparation for Kundalini. It can be that, and it can also be a corrective procedure. Interesting. Yeah, the attunement will help to straighten out any of the um, little. 
any of the knots or the the kinks or blockages that are happening on the on the subtle plane. Yeah. Yeah, with all of the the, the three knotties, you know, the three channels. So sometimes the right one is more active than the left around the time that the Kundalini awakens and it causes a damage. Oh, right. So uh, Ida, Nani, and uh, Shushumna. Is that right? Uh, Ida, Pingala. Pingala, right. Shushumna is something else. Shushumna Nadi is the middle one. That's the... Okay. That's the one that the Kundalini is supposed to go up. Right. But sometimes, well, it really kind of goes up all three, more so through the Shushumna Nadi, of course. Mm. But um, it can go up more one side, more side, more to the Ida side or the Pingala side at one place or another place. Um, so this is why it's said that you should work with a competent guru or somebody who really knows what they're doing that you can actually trust. Yeah. Yeah. It's not so easy anymore, of course, to find someone that you could actually trust. Yeah, that's an understatement. Yeah, definitely. Right. Yeah, that's that's one of my motivations with um, making these podcasts is to get information out there that had previously or is ordinarily reserved for, you know, people saying, well, come get my teachings. And, you know, it's a lot of it's been published, a lot of it's written in books, but not a lot of it's as accessible as audio. But, you know, nowadays, uh, we might as well. The, the, the technology's here, so we might as well broadcast, I figure. I think it's great. I've been thinking about doing it myself, but I feel like I have so many little projects happening that I'm trying to do all by myself mm. at this point that I I don't want to overextend any more of that. Of this, yeah. These just, you know, completely, you know, really impassioned endeavors that are just all by myself. So it's like, it's too much. Yeah. I definitely relate with that. One thing that uh, in my process, I, I've, I've discovered that when it's if I'm if I'm very patient and it's cumulative, and I don't exhaust myself energy wise and time wise like all at once, um, then I can do many things. It just takes a long time, you know. So because I've got like fifteen different projects going on myself, I, I just have one or two that are uh, obviously visible at any given moment. Just because I don't want to just clutter everyone and saying, "Hey, come check out my nine podcasts," you know. Uh, right. <laughs> there's sci-fi. There's everything. Uh, that's great. Yeah, really. I I noticed recently that uh, you know the hip hop artist, the rap artist Kia. Mm -mm. She does the my neck, my back. I'm, we'll we'll be hearing it right now later, but right now I don't know this song. Yeah, yeah, well, right. <laughs> so she, anyway, I, I was surprised to see she even does like a little talk cast thing, but I think she just does it on YouTube. She just yeah. has a YouTube channel, and she yeah. just hangs out with her friends and talks, and it's very informative and funny. Very cool. I um I got invited by my buddy Cast over the, what you were saying about the energy channels reminded me. Um, to the they they were doing something in the bun the bun tradition b o n or however it's spelled the uh, yeah. pre pre Buddhist Tibetan I guess what what would be called pagan to a you know uh, sort of a, a Christendom uh, centered version of English speaking person um, like the old the, the very ancient one uh, well anyway they they had they were doing some exercises where there was a red it was um, I'm trying to remember it was red white and blue but it was it was uh blue on the left and white on the right and then red in the middle 
and and one would go up one way and then wrap around uh, the somewhere in the top of the head and go down into the root and the and, and the two sides would both do that and then the center one would go out the top of the head. It's really interesting. It's bizarre, oh. elaborate breathing exercise. But there's a lot of room with something like that for people to come along and say, "Here's the long missing thing that you know no one's ever heard of because." I'm the only one with the lineage, you know. So, I mean, I'm always skeptical of, of, of that kind of thing. But, you know, yeah, at right. the same time, interested. Right. And especially if I get something out of it. I'm like, what was that? That was interesting. <laughs> I think I have my own lineage. That's like, maybe that's a problem I've got, you know, where I, like, I don't feel like I can go underneath anybody anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not necessarily a problem. Yeah. It just means you're a type of person. Like, it means you're an alpha on a, you know, a certain kind of spiritual alpha Maybe. Uh, maybe. Yeah. I don't want to sell myself too short. You know, I yeah, could yeah. always I could always run into the next amazing spiritual juggernaut, you know. Yeah, but there isn't a lot to there isn't a lot to like believe in you know, out there. <laughs> I think probably part of for that's technology and the the availability of information that it's much more difficult to dupe a room full of people into believing, you know, one harebrained side of the story because someone is gonna challenge it publicly right yeah um i really am interested in the idea of writing some serious stuff and publishing it to the point where it might even invite people to come and dispute some of the things i say and yeah i think i, think I would welcome that type of experience yeah 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 we just take so much for granted now i mean i've been talking about this a lot lately how most people now are totally capable of eating how royalty used to eat yeah. and get, getting gout how royalty used yeah. to get and, and all of these things Lead you know, poisoning like, the way royalty used to yes, get yes <laughs> like all of these lovely little things involved with like gorging yourself on meats like so many people can right things that used to be associated only with the upper class are now associated yeah. with the lower class in the in the first world <laughs> like eating at mcdonald's every day and you know like right. drinking extra large soda yeah all the sweets and the alcohols and the and the meat it was like that was the stuff of royalties right you know their deal but the people people who can whose parents could afford to send them to a good school will come out the other end going, gee, I should really watch what I eat and maybe take up some kind of yoga practice so that I'll live. Yeah, on. right. So, I mean, that's kind of part of, you know, that, so even these podcasts are kind of tied into that, like, hey, hey, out there in the world, the places that have been totally screwed over by, you know, my cousins. Um, oh, yeah. Hear what I'm saying. Hopefully, you know, act ab- upon it. You know, think before the next time you go to Jack in the Box, like, mm-hmm. whatever. Ka-ching. If only right. I could get money every time I, like, mention some brand. <laughs> totally. <laughs> wow. So let's see, Vajrayana Buddhism. I just thought I'd say that. Yes, Vajrayana Buddhism. So the microphone that I am speaking to you on was bought for me by a Vajrayana monk. Nice. That I was, I was, he, you know, he gets donations and stuff, and so it was donated to me from him, basically. Mm-hmm. And. I was grateful for that because my, my obviously my computer sounds like shit when the <laughs> microphone's not working. So, um, but anyway, I was doing meditations with him um, on his on his meetup. He does a a Google Plus meetup. Mm-hmm. There's a dog dreaming next to me right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> What's his name? Oh, I, I, I mean the the the, the uh, monk dog. Oh, or both, whichever you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, his his name is Thab Thabki Dorje. Oh, that's a good name for a dog. Oh no, not the dog. Oh, <laughs> the monk. Oh. <laughs> The the dog the dog's name is uh, Layla. Oh, cool! Midnight. Yeah, she's just visiting right now. Layla and and um, what's the other dog's name? Uh, Coco. Layla and Coco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Layla is like she was bark. She's barking in her sleep right now. Anyway. Nice. <laughs> what was I talking about? Oh yes, yeah, um... so this monk. And I, I began I began co-hosting meditations with him online. Where can we find those? Um, you can go to okay. What is it? Is it just meditation online? He's known as Thab Kidorje. He's also known as Dawe Gacha. So they have, you know, these Tibetan monks. They've got long names. Mm -hmm. Dawe Gacha. Let's see the Art of Living dot org. Okay. Is that what it is? Let me make sure. I can't really quite tell. This is talking about Sahaj meditation. There's so many meditations online now. <laughs> we can always figure it out later. Yeah, we'll find it out. We'll find it. But yeah, Dawe Gacha, you can find him on Facebook also. Um, but yeah, his the rooms are getting full. There's only 10 per room that you can do, but he adds on a second room somehow. I think he adds another camera or something. Mm. Yeah. I see. That's pretty good. Nice. Um, yeah, it's like a 45 to an hour of meditation. Is it like going through different levels or connecting oh, with a, parts of the little, body? There's a little bit of setup at the beginning where you just work on your breath and then they it's just quiet for 20 minutes and then every 20 minutes they ring a bell to bring you back. Mm-hmm. And help remind you to stay present. I see. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, like for, for people who, who are addicted to the internet or their phones, you know, to find mm. ways for them to meditate anyway is always Oh, yeah. <laughs> take an hour, you guys. Close your eyes. The insight timer. For $4.99, you can have a bell rung in five minutes. Oh, yeah, right. Totally. Maybe you can I've get got it. You can get a Dharma I'm bell. a subscriber. <laughs> yeah, you are. Haha, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Dharma bell timer. Well, I used to do um, yoga during my lunch breaks every day, so I had to make sure I didn't fall asleep during my shavasana. Oh, really? <laughs> or if I did fall asleep, I'd wake up. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, there's also, there's also this um, wonderful meditation, you know, that I've been teaching lately with the candle. Mm -hmm. Tratak, have you done any of that yet? Mm -mm. Tratak is great because it helps to strengthen your pineal gland and it cleanses it. Nice. Yeah, and it's one of the Shatakarmas or the, the six uh, Kriya practices in the Hatha Yoga Pradipika. So I could just put my candle on my website. I'm thinking about doing that. I can make them for... Um, Anywhere between fifty and hundred dollars. I'm trying to think of what I'm going to price them with or at. They're kind of a little bit involved, but it's it's a nice simple candle holder too. It's just made out of rope and bamboo. What was the name of the website again? It's yogamagic.com. Oh, okay, and that's magic with a K, right? M A G I C K. Yeah. So, um, 
have you worked with a lot of like what, any Western esoterica? Well, I had a friend in Massachusetts that I was staying with for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, who he created his own kind of like occult group, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I, he's probably he was, a former student. Was, I know it was really interesting. He was he was in Homsey. Uh, yeah, he is a former student. Is his name Dennis? Uh, no, his name is. I called him Fred or Barabbas, but it turns out there's another Fred or Barabbas. Oh wow, how funny! I'll bleep out his name, but yeah, he, yeah, definitely. He gave me, he definitely. Gave me my sword, that sword what? that I that you see me use in the in the in the streaming. Uh-huh. He gave he gave me that sword. Oh wow! Yeah, I probably held that sword. <laughs> Uh, he he when it was when he was getting his air dagger he uh he got it as part of a set that was a sword oh, and a how, dagger how long ago did that happen that was 2001 oh 2001 okay yeah that was before i met him i had no idea that's so funny oh the occult circles of the world are so tiny but you know i mean my dad was tantric buddhist so at the same time i thought that you know working with the perineum at a young age was pretty normal but you know and so in church i was like activating the bandhas during prayer and stuff and just sending pink light out from my chest and secretly going om when i was saying amen you know uh-huh. just a little thing i so i was kind of always bridging that so i just sort of am still doing that because i it just because it's useful for some people i know that like for other from the from a lot of people's point of view they're on page 30 and I'm on page four, but I'm on I'm I'm doing what I'm doing for the people who are still on pages one, two, and three, <laughs> you know. That's and, good. I, and I'm on page four, that. so that they'll they'll know that they're not alone. <laughs> but I've also been told right now that I'm um, near the end of my Rahu stage or whatever for my um, my Hindu astrology kind of thing. I don't know if you know about Hindu astrology much. Not enough to know what that means. Okay, yeah, the, the Rahu phase is like the really troubled, difficult phase in um, a person's life that could span several years. For mm-hmm. me, they say it was like an 18-year or is an 18-year span. And I'm coming to the end of that, um, I guess, maybe around November of next year. Or this coming, I think it's this coming November, really. So that's kind of good. I'm excited about that because um, it's been like... I've been having so many troubles with business and finances for so long. Hmm. Um, it's just driving me mad. Yeah. I've had people ask me if I've tried to kill myself before after looking at my astrology. Mm. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm like, oh, well, I have had some trouble. I've had some trouble. I will say that, but I haven't tried. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I always felt like it wouldn't help. Like it wouldn't wouldn't make the depression go away, and I'd just have to start over as a baby and shit myself and go through puberty again. So what's the point? You know, like I'd rather exactly. just wait this one out. You know, yeah, put that off as long as possible. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I always figured it'd be better to just crawl out the window and just walk than to kill myself. Like if if my situation is that horrible that I'm really going to kill myself, then just walk. Like I'll 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 try out being a bum. You know, if I have to, if I just have to hit the road. You know. Right, there you go. That's, that's <laughs> a good way to look at it, I think. As a last resort, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I thought about, like, when I was around 21, I think I thought about killing myself, but I was like, no, I think I'm just going to go back to L.A. That's <laughs> I, guess, <you> know? <laughs> I was like, 
I'm sure LA will kill me pretty good if I don't. You know? Yeah. yeah <laughs> I was in such a negative, such a negative place in my 20s. Yeah. yeah. It was like, my self esteem was like so bad when I was 20. I, I thought that I had to keep my, my hair black in order to like feel good about myself. <laughs> I was like, my roots started showing. I was like, man, I don't feel normal anymore. <laughs> It was really eye-opening to find out later on that I had a lot of spirit attachments um, and that it really was affecting me on many levels that I wasn't really quite fully aware of. Yeah. Yeah, and since I've been able to be clear to those things, it's much like having had lived with parasites and not known how those parasites were manipulating my subtle faculties. Because mm. that's how parasites work, you know? Like if you eat beef... There's something in that beef's bodily fluids or body that wants to feed on it. And it's like it could be microbial, it could be worms, it can be all types of things. There's okay. It's like a whole other world you're letting in you yeah. when you eat another animal. And then the agendas that are going with the whatever it is that enjoys consuming that animal mm. are in you now. Yeah, and they want you to feel a certain way because they mm -hmm. eat that peptide. Yes. And so when they don't get that, then they eat you. Yeah. And then you start to feel depleted. And you're like, oh, God, I can't live without my meat. And so it just, the cycle perpetuates. Right, or my and, lactose or whatever it is that it's addicted to. Yeah, and similar stuff happens with spirit attachments. Like, oh, I, you know, you can have a sex addiction and not realize it actually has something to do with the succubus or incubus attachment you've got. Hmm. That was a big freaking deal. And people will just joke with me and they'll laugh or they'll they'll actually become very nasty and they'll they'll try to turn things around on me very quickly and they'll be like, Oh, well, you're victim shaming like a woman who got raped, you know? It's like, no, I never did anything to that nature. But people will they'll distort my words like really quickly when hmm. I bring these things up, which makes me think like, hmm, whose team are you playing on right now? You know, it's like it makes things get real weird real fast. Yeah. Yeah, there's still a lot of work to be done to overcome the uh, inertia of the patriarchal, you know, uh, just the way everything has been and still is in most of the world. You mm -hmm. know, it's like we, we get spoiled in Portland or, or certain parts of Los Angeles and forget that most of the world is still living in, you know, some previous century from our point of view. I mean, it okay. sounds it sounds arrogant, you know, when I just blurt it out that way. But that's how it feels from the point of view of someone who isn't constantly surrounded. I mean, you know, that that ad that just came out telling everyone in Saudi Arabia how to properly beat their wife. You know, it's just. Are it, you it, kidding me? It's oh, sick. No. I mean, oh. I, and not to not to just, you know, point fingers somewhere else. But I mean, you know, the shit goes on here here in this country in various forms too and and right. it, it goes on i mean it goes on su subtly and insidiously in um you know if you have a group of progressive thinking you know like a commune or something and everything and then you find it there too you know and it's it, it's mm -hmm. like how did you get in you know who who let you in how did you not understand the basics you know before you you walked in here you know right Gotta let pe give people the same respect that you demand for yourself, regardless of what they look like, regardless of their size, regardless of the pitch of their voice, regardless of what role they play in reproduction. Right. Absolutely. But anyway, sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I can just talk forever about things like this, just because it's like, I mean, for instance, sexual exploitation between adult males and females. 
it's just like it's it's rampant it's so rampant it's considered to be a natural process that a man and a woman agree on some kind of a transaction where it's like not even a love relationship at all anymore there might be sex happening there might be all these things that look like a romantic relationship happening but underneath it all it's a mutual agreement to use each other hmm. yeah and that I think maybe that plays in with some little demonic possessions as well. Like I, I seriously think this whole world needs an exorcism and um It's Kali Yuga clock. Yeah, it really is. And like this is like where, you know, the end of the Kali Yuga I believe should be coming with, with a like a huge purging, you know, and yeah. it should be a spiritual purging actually. And people constantly long for death now, people constantly long for mass death. Yeah. Um, and they think it's going to help and then it happens and it throws the world into more chaos and more sorrow and sadness. Yeah. And it's actually just pulling the vibration down and down and down. And so I feel like the only thing that we can do is to be direct and uh, very direct. Yeah. About the way that the spirit realm directly interacts with human psychology. Human psychology is inseparably parapsychology. Yeah, one of my teachers, Gordon, used to say the brain is just a switchboard and that it's all going on in a place that doesn't have location, which, you know, mm -hmm. of course is a paradox, but the, uh, the actual being, the actual viewpoint isn't, you know, where it looks like it is from the point of view of the sense data. Right. It is a paradox. It's like, it's the, it's the paradox of what direction would you be observing the void from? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What side of the void are you on? Like to look at it from. It's like <laughs> the universe is talking to itself, but somehow I control this voice and not yours. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> it's really it's incredible. Yeah, it's the tricky. stuff that happens when you have a big bang and a bunch of dust going around, you know, it's shenanigans. Mm -hmm. they, they they recently uh found out that um, at a certain point in certain stars' uh, evolution, they blast rivers out of their poles. <laughs> what? <laughs> like like thousands of Amazon rivers just going out of the north and south pole of of budding stars. <laughs> wow! <laughs> and it goes through. It it starts out, of course, as vapor, you know, coming out of the fire, and then mm -hmm. turns into water briefly, and then turns into ice, and so it ends up with they're, mm -hmm. they're shooting ice rivers out the top and the bottom, and that may actually be right. where all of those where Halley's comet and the rest that are out in the at the edge of our solar system came from was when our sun was shooting rivers out of the top and the bottom. It's just so cool. So trippy sounding. That's yeah. So cool. yeah really Every like. time they f discover something like that, it like adds a new layer to just, I mean, on such a great level. I mean, I, I, I'm really glad to have been able <laughs> to give me goosebumps. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I feel, I feel sorry for people who are trying to decide whether or not they believe in evolution because they're really missing out on a lot of like present time religious experiences in science. <laughs> I know. Right. Science is having like, a, like religious orgasms. Now. Yeah. <laughs> Are just yeah, <laughs> staying up all night. They're on Mars time and JBL. <laughs> Isn't it past your Mars bedtime? <laughs> so, how did you get started with yoga? Uh, I was only about six years old, and I was in tumbling, and <laughs> then I was taken out quickly because my mother was not able to keep paying for it since she had my sister on the way. Mm. 
So I had to stop, and I was really bummed out, and I was such a spoiled little brat at the time. I was like, oh, I was so upset my sister was on the way. And then I was like, oh, well, it's my sister. It's my only sister. I had to get over that pretty fast. Yeah. And um, I realized that I could, you know, just work on it by myself, work on stretching, work on uh, different ways to move the body. And um, coincidentally, at that time, I also was into swimming and holding my breath underwater as long as possible. Mm-hmm. And uh, later on, what I was doing, the stretching, I learned at about age 11, was actually yoga poses. Like, I was doing actual yoga poses. I wasn't just making things up. I th- Well, I mean, I think that's how yoga came about, though. It was somebody just stretching and right. making things up. <laughs> so it was like I kind of organically invented yoga the way that it was invented, I believe. Yeah. Um. But, uh, you know, also, what was funny, I just found out about five years ago that the underwater thing that I was doing with the breath retention, that is an esoteric yoga practice. I don't remember what it's called, but yogi holds their breath underwater as long as they possibly can until they almost lose consciousness. Interesting. Yeah, that's a practice, apparently. So uh, what kind of yoga do you teach? I teach um, basically Raja yoga. Mm. which incorporates all of the yogas. And so um, the things that people are innovating all the time on a regular basis, I just consider that as hatha, according to what I teach. You know, because hatha actually is, is translated as a means of force to direct your senses inward. Hmm. So um, I teach a lot of the classic postures and... I can. I mean, I've taught so many different styles since I've been teaching in different studios and gyms for mm-hmm. so long that um, I mean, like I'll teach that standard vinyasa thing that everybody likes. That's right. kind of dancey and and kind of aerobic and fast. I can totally do that. And I've um, I've adopted some detox oriented kind of like uh, sequences, you know. And also, I've taught a lot of Yin yoga, which I really love. You just have to have a lot of props for that yeah so people will be supported um and i really enjoy teaching dharma which is an interesting part of yoga too i've also taught a little bit of kundalini yoga honestly now uh, what is dharma in this context dharma as in um basically after a meditation period so i'll teach meditation and then we'll talk about the nature of of meditation or of what we're experiencing in our mind Mm -hmm. or what makes it difficult for us to stay in a space of love and happiness or contentment, you know. So Dharma is such a broad topic. I can talk about um, anything, basically, and apply um, yoga to it. Um, So anything that we, we happen to go through on a daily basis or something that, like, for instance, uh, having a hard time waking up in the morning quickly and starting to understand that that's actually a process of choices. Um, it's like very small choices and it's like micro processes. But if you can get into those micro processes of choices, you can wake up easier in the morning. Yeah. You can, you can talk about that in Dharma. You know, there's like so much. I have a, um, a dish that has the Japanese do symbol on it, which is their word for Dharma. 
Nice. That um, in uh, the statues of Padma Sambhava always depict him holding it. Well, you know, not with the Japanese symbol, of course, but holding a a vessel that represents the Dharma in his left hand and the Vajra in his right hand. So I emulate that practice sometimes when I'm doing my personal work. Nice. Yeah, I love holding the rupas and vajras and things like that during meditation. I think that's it's nice. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't have a regular practice of it, but I have done it from time to time. Nice. So what are your plans for uh for the future as far as, you know, yoga teaching and and yoga magic and all that? So I've just recently decided to open up Yoga Magic to a kind of yoga teacher's community, mm-hmm. at least right now, to start. And um, I just want to give people who who are yoga teachers and have been teaching it for a while or who are pretty skilled um, and have a hard time finding other yoga teachers to relate to um, or they have a hard time, they seem to like not be connecting well to a lot of like the general populace. Perhaps they have like, like me, for instance, like kind of like a, uh, esotericitis, I guess you'd call it. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think I've probably got that. (laughs) Yeah. It's like when you're into like the really deep and heady stuff and some people like, you know, they're branching off into the other camp where they're just like, I just want to do acro and I want to be pretty and, yeah. and cute. Yeah. You know? Yeah, there is definitely uh, a lot of different ways to approach yoga. I, yeah. try, I try to be able to, you know, like I've, I'm building up my reputation, I think, for being able to teach the straight acro stuff by teaching at Crunch Fitness. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, so I've got, I, I'm, I substitute for, you know, different people's classes and stuff like that. But when people come over here, I mean, for what so far has been free classes, like I don't feel just in my personal background, I, I came from a, a school where they didn't charge for healing. And so when I do something that I consider to be healing work, like helping them open up their chakras, I, um, I don't charge them unless they want to make a donation or something. But if they're coming over and I'm using my training in yoga and alignment, to safely navigate them through a set, then that I charge for. So that's kind of my where I'm at with it personally, but that may change. Right. That's interesting. I've been working on providing a little bit of um, counsel for people lately. It's like maybe it doesn't sound like it's directly involved with yoga, but I still think it does. Yeah, I, don't I know. think it's I'm all connected. I'm to this point where I feel like I can write my whole life into a yoga kind of um, scenario. I feel like I'm just totally absorbed in yoga at this point in my life. Like I, I do feel like I've to a level embody yoga. Excellent. And it's it's really interesting. You know, I can just kind of. It, it drives some people up the wall, though, because I don't do small talk very well at all. I'll, I'll start going off on some deep, inspired topic at lunchtime. And people are like, wow, I just, I just want to take a break. You know, like, I'm just yeah. trying to eat my lunch. And I'm like, oh, you know. That can get lonely. Awkward. <laughs> That's another reason why I have this podcast is I have to reach out to people all the way across the country to have a satisfying conversation. <laughs> sometimes right you know and this is probably why i should have a podcast as well <laughs> yeah <laughs> because I, I do feel like my students are so far flung i have so many people all over the place that they want me to come to them they want me to come teach them and i'm like well well i can't come to you because i can't make 
very much money right. in the one place where I'm at is my like as a yoga teacher I am not doing well right now I have to be honest you know I'm I feel like I'm doing better as a organizer um you know for planning events and things like that hmm. but I don't want to just do it for myself I'd rather I'd rather help promote other people yeah um and especially if it's people who are teaching something that I can really believe in um, so, I mean, that's why I just opened up my website basically in this way where it's like, Hey, if you, um, you know, feel like you've got something going on, t um, talent or skill or wisdom or knowledge wise with yoga, be it, uh, you know, if you have really good asana teaching skills, that's great. But mostly I want to find people that also see the true value, um, psychologically or psychically even um, we can say in yeah. yoga. And um, I think it's just really important for the future of the entire planet Yeah, that um, people begin to practice yoga more holistically and um, begin to truly embody what, what yoga is showing us, like that we can be totally honest, totally accountable, and get rid of the fear, just like chase that fear out, you know, because... Um, it's amazing how I'm seeing this trend lately, for instance, that there is no fear. There is this denial of fear. Um, it's like, well, I posted fear is failure referencing the neophyte initiation and that upset a few people, but <laughs> <laughs> it's much more of like an inspiring in the context, not, not to interrupt too much, but yeah. it's a, it's a ceremony where you're, you're being led forward and, and that part of the ceremony, you're like, what's going on? Why, why uh -huh. did I just take a weird oath? You know, and then, yeah. and then oh, they God, lift, they blindfolded me. then they lift your hoodwink and then they scream, yeah. fear is failure. And then you're totally confused because you're absolutely <laughs> terrified, but they told you fear is failure so you're doing your best not to be afraid and then you see a nice guy or, or gal who tells you unbalanced power is evil unbalanced mercy is weakness go forth unto the two cubicle altar of the universe and then that's it uh, so nice. it's like, like there's a context but i mean i guess just blurting out fear is failure like I, people are like no it's a proto-survival instinct that has a role yeah, yeah, blah, yeah. blah 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 exactly is that we get people that we get a camp of people now that like that defend fear as like something that you need that's good mm -hmm. and then people that deny fear and it's like where's that middle path right. where would the middle path for that be accepting wisdom accepting that there is fear and and also entertaining the idea that something that is preventing you, like in your mind, something conceptually that is hindering you, preventing you, or immobilizing you from doing something is rooted in fear. Right. And sometimes that's very, very hard to see. It's like, it's like looking at like one of those magic eye drawings. Yeah. I swear, it really is. It's like some people just really don't have the mental concentration to just look at why they don't like for instance this pelvic dance party that I'm holding July 30th mm -hmm. I'm, pl I'm plugging all types of stuff now. <laughs> um, this this pelvic dance thing is based on um, Jungian shadow work in a kind of like covert way you know and um, but you just you, you haven't even been begun to like step toward those shadows if you won't even move your pelvis at all right you have not even begun. He's like, you know there's a shadow there, but you won't even walk that direction. Yeah. 
Because you're just like, nope, not for me. You already have closed the whole door, the whole, all the doors of perception to what moving the pelvis can do for you. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So this is one of the things about teaching this party to the, the masses that's kind of tricky because it requires people to really focus on, like, why don't you want to do this? Yeah. And it's like... This is like a social experiment yeah. as well, you know, so it might fail, it might do well, I don't know, but I, I just know I'm in Atlanta and I'm in a place where a lot of people shake their asses <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, come on, can't some people want to just like get down and have some fun and party and, you know, we'll see what happens. Interesting. Yeah, people get conditioned, you know, as far as I think maybe shaking the hips and um, and the shadow might actually be related, you know, you know, just in, in, in this society where, you know, if someone is uncomfortable confronting their own shadow and they're probably also uncomfortable, you know, doing the hip thing, you know, mm -hmm. or may, maybe, maybe not. There's probably some overlap. There's like a, right. a best, there's a, there's, there's a, in the Venn extent. diagram, there's like, you know, yeah. <laughs> there's some people that will be able to, they'll want to dispute this all day. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if you're taught that the devil, you know, is evil and that's where all the, you know, the, the part of you that wants to hit your sister, well, that's the devil, that's a demon, you know, that, uh, and you oh, have right. to, you have to just, pray like, to Jesus just, to take it away. And so right. people you get conditioned just... deeply that way before seven and there's not much you can do about it. I mean, you can try. Right, right. Yeah, that's the tricky thing. I don't know how I, I got into the position I'm in, but I've been very precocious. You know, I was I was I was born with precociousness. I'm making up all types of diseases tonight. <laughs> Esotericitis. What was the other? Yeah. one? <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> I think I think precociousness. Once it gets aggravated, it becomes esotericitis. Esotericitis. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's the advanced stage. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because, yeah, I started out being into weird things. And then that somehow led me to taking an oath to isolate myself and study nothing but weird things, which <laughs> eventually led me to breaking out of it and wanting to be normal. Right. <laughs> and so I always thought of yoga as too normal. My dad uh, taught me, you know, the chakras and the bells and the and all this stuff. And then he would say, well, when usually when people say yoga, they're just talking about stretching. That's not even, you know, yoga. And so mm -hmm. I had this chip on my shoulder, you know, where I'd be like, well, yes, I'm an esotericist. I practice yoga, too, but I practice real yoga, not this stretching. And then, uh -huh. yeah, okay. and then I grew up oh, and, you know, had, had an actual yogi kind of, you know, knock me around just in about 2009 and, and made me realize that not only had I misunderstood, but this is probably my salvation. You know, I mean, I, I needed to get out of the situation I was in and this is something I can really dedicate myself to that yeah. can, can only be good for, for everyone involved. That's good. That's great. I love that. I think yoga is really the only thing that has saved my life when it comes down to it. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, a lot of it's people like, say that. <laughs> the strongest life affirmation around, I think, is just, yeah. yeah, yoga is a, it's its own kind of entity. And I was going to say it's like a amoeba. Yoga is like an amoeba, and then whatever the organism that it eats, it becomes more one with. It becomes mm -hmm. more like. Mm 
Yeah. And the organism that yoga at large has been eating looks like Swedish gymnastics. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it comes down to. Yeah. Yeah. So now the yoga amoeba everyone is seeing, and it's like the thought form of the yoga amoeba is doing like dancer pose when someone thinks about it. And they're like, whoa, yeah. (laughs) I can't do that. (laughs) And that's as far as it goes. Thank you, Kali Yuga. Thank you. (laughs) Well, it's nice that there's these like really surfacey. schools of yoga for people who aren't anywhere near being, you know, knowing that they would be interested in any of the deeper layers of it, any of the koshas or anything else, any of the yamas or the niyamas. And they can start out with, you know, I, I, I was trained in a school called Broga, which is yoga for bros. Oh, <laughs> it's where you don't, you don't use any of this Sanskrit or these words like love and heart. You say oh. sternum. <laughs> <laughs> You don't say compassion. You say lift your chest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and you don't play any of this music with these female vocalists. I finally got out of that. I was like, okay, this is really too much. But wow. but I, I got to say it was a fun it was a fun training, you know. But I, I think I got some kind of permanent students off of that because I've got some. Ooh. Yeah, that still come to my classes even though I'm even though it's not broga anymore. Have <laughs> fun with that. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so you were teaching the broga? It was, was. Your, it, it was your invention? No. <laughs> oh, no, oh, what okay. happened was I started teaching at Crunch, and I was new. You know, it was my first actual job aside from teaching in K-Town. Not to say that's not an actual job, um, but they were paying right. me cash, and they have a two-star Yelp rating. So, you know. Um, so I'm, <laughs> I'm at Crunch where they have three stars, and uh, or maybe four. I don't know. But anyway, so a month in, the the CEO says, hey, can I, uh, would you mind getting trained to teach Broga? And uh, I was like, uh, okay, yeah, no, I don't mind, sure. And so I came to the training and, and uh, went through it, and uh, then they put me on the schedule, and then I was teaching Broga. But then what I didn't realize was that the, the founder and then one of the other higher-ups were going to, like, come, whenever they were in town, they were going to come to class and not tell me. And then uh, afterward, I was, you know... I ought to have 15 minutes after class, you know, to sit down and get criticized by some guy from the Midwest who made up a kind of yoga where, you know, because the whole idea was that, you know, a lot of guys, you know, guys with boots, they think that yoga is kind of sissy, you know, they think it's for for women. So we want to kind of package it in a way that they'll be like, well, I don't know about no yoga, but this broga sounds all right. And then eventually, years down the line, they might be like, well, maybe I'll try a yoga class. And so it's like really going out of your way to reach out to these people. Oh, wow. Yeah, I get you. But, you know, I mean, but it's kind of like heartfelt. I mean, I I was into it because like my dad never would have gone to a yoga class. So I kind of felt like like maybe I was reaching out to other, you know, intellectual, overweight arrogant assholes like him and uh and that maybe maybe could save them from um you know gout and everything else that <laughs> like we were talking about but yeah um, right you know i mean but i i, I don't necessarily want to like dedicate myself to working within the school of broga but i i do throw it up there on my resume as one of one of the one of my influences or one of the things that i can draw from in my classes yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a time and place for everything, and always know your audience. That's 
definitely yeah. a big deal there. Um, so I've, I've taught in a proper yoga shala. I've taught in gyms. Um, you know, I've taught religious people in Israel. Nice. You know, yeah. So that's tricky. You know, there's certain poses you don't want to do around proper Jewish women because it will freak them out. Hmm. Like happy baby, I imagine. No, peacock. Oh. That freaks them out. They're like, oh, don't do that, honey. It's bad for your womb. Oh. I'm like, oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. They're just very womb-centric, the women there. And they see you jamming your elbows into your your abdomen, you know, your abdomen. abdomen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pronouncing like I'm a foreigner. <laughs> <laughs> I do that sometimes. I go into accidental accents. But anyway, yeah, they, they think that that's going to hurt your womb. But I also was doing a mudra at one point by the Western Wall, and they really didn't like that either. It was always It's always the odd Jewish woman that comes up to me to, like, chide me and tell me I'm doing something wrong. I like, yeah. <laughs> I, I was I was totally surprised. I, I invited all my Jewish friends to uh, my Jewish wedding. Uh, Janie and I got married under a canopy, and uh, and then we invoked we, using all these Hebrew divine names. We invoked the goddess Isis, and then Isis showed up and conducted the ceremony. Asherah, whose name was carved beside that of Yod Hey Vav Hey in the ancient Hebrew temples in Egypt, we call upon the feminine counterpart. An expression of God who makes his unknowable nature known. Come thou forth. Offended a lot of people, and that I was going to have some explaining to do. But all the the people who showed up from work that wore their yarmulkes to the wedding were coming up afterward and saying that was the most brilliant Jewish wedding I've ever seen, and I'm going to be talking about that for the rest of my life. Wow! There was, you know, I mean, because I, I mean, I I was pretty solid. I mean, in my mind, I mean, to 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 uh, an Orthodox rabbi, there'd be absolutely, you know. But I mean, I I went kind of across the board with, okay, we're invoking the feminine aspect of God, the Shekinah, who was known as the goddess Ashira, who corresponds with the goddess Isis, and she is of the nature of Avalokiteshvara, or Kuan Yin, and here she is, she's wearing a crown, okay, she's going to conduct the wedding with a sword. And so, I, I mean, I it was very sincere and, and very, um, yeah, it was nice, it was nice to find out that I hadn't offended them. <laughs> For real, I'm glad that you did not. Yeah. There's a whole spectrum, though. I mean, there's people turning over cars for driving on the Sabbath. Oh, wow. Not every Sabbath, but, you know, it does happen every now and then. <laughs> I never knew. It definitely got very quiet in, in Jerusalem when it was the Sabbath. Yeah. Very, very quiet. <laughs> hmm. I was like, wow, where'd all the cars go? Whoa. <laughs> what has <laughs> happened? Yeah, I, um, when I was going through my training... 
because you know having that background that every time they'd say something i'd be like oh okay so that's like the yakida oh okay so that's like the <laughs> the ruach the, the oh pra- that's like the nishama yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> the prana is like the ruach and the goof is the you know the first kosha and you know yeah and so right. they're like are you speaking hebrew so yeah, that could be <laughs> go, go to israel and just be like now in india they call it this but y- you and i know it is this oh oh lord you know, people are hardly even like grasping the koshas yet to even start thinking about them, not only in Sanskrit, but also in Hebrew. How would you describe them? I, I, I described them the other day, but in my own unorthodox way. How would you describe them in your un- unorthodox way? Okay, so I love the koshas. So the part that you, you know, that we have in the yoga magazine all the time that we work on, we wanted to get it exactly that position and you know, obviously that's the the the, the food body, the mm-hmm. Anamaya Kosha. You know, and then the the part that moves us and animates us as living entities is that Pranamaya Kosha, and it's also the breath. It's also strengthened with that um, Pranayama, and then um, along with that. The breath carries in through the mind also the movements that are chosen to be done, you know, in the in the pranamaya kosha, that's through the mind, the manamaya kosha. Mm-hmm. So the mind body is something that we're often trying to use in order to unite to the prana to the ananda to the anamaya kosha. So we only often address the mind all the way through the prana into the Ana, the food body, Ana Mayakosha. And there's very little extra focus anymore in the yoga community. They can't get beyond that in an, hour, in an hour-long yoga class. Right, and not have a few people drop off because they're half-fundy or whatever. Yeah, whatever it is. They're like, dude, I need to go eat my hamburger after I've done my yoga. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, or I need my beer after I've done my yoga. Because that you know, a lot of people do do beer and yoga now, or wine and yoga, <laughs> yeah. and that's become a really popular thing. And this is interesting to me. So instead of going into the wisdom, we're going into the intoxicants. Yeah. So we can so we can trick ourselves into the feeling of being uh, connected to reaching into the um, to the um, Ananda Mayakosha, the bliss body. So we've overridden the Vijnana Mayakosha. We just skipped it. Yeah. You skip that and go like, okay, I'm going to drink now or smoke weed or whatever. I mean, weed's great, by the way. But... <laughs> I got invited to do cannabis yoga. And I, I, I said yes, but I, I said I didn't want to put my name. I didn't want my name attached yeah. to it because right. I, I plan on teaching some sober people too. You know. Yeah, <laughs> totally. You know, and it's like it's not everybody should smoke and do yoga. It's yeah. not like recommended. It's not. Well, and not every kind of yoga. I probably don't right. want to do kriyas right out. You know, when no. you're all high. No, yeah, you really don't. Or teach kriyas when you're all high. Yeah. Yeah. No, especially teaching. I don't recommend it. I know in the in the. Are you familiar with the Source family? No. There was this group, this cult in the seventies back in Hollywood, uh, or back in the seventies in Hollywood, I should say, and uh, they they would take one six second hit of marijuana in the morning, partly because there was a hundred and forty of them, and they had to make sure there was enough for everybody. Aww, that was all cute. they would have all day, and then so after that, then they'd go in and they'd do kriyas and stuff like that. But that's different than like let's get ripped and then do yoga, you know. Oh yeah, right. That's just kind of cute. It's like a little little tiny nip in the morning. Yeah. 
That's not a really, yeah, it's not like, let's smoke, like, bong loads. Yeah. Totally bombed. I mean, there is, like, luckily with marijuana, it does have a limitation. It cuts off after you smoke so much, you can't really get any higher. Yeah. But the thing is, just you, just fall, you just fall asleep. <laughs> you waste money, you fall asleep, you burn all that stuff, then you're hungry. And it's like, okay, yeah, there's nothing to do with that. You know, yeah. there's, like, even the even the saints in India that smoke it, they only do, like, Two drags in the morning after they bathe, and then they do two more at night. There, there was this great documentary on Netflix about hippies that went to India and stayed there. Mm-hmm. And there was this one guy from, I think he was from Holland, and uh, he was talking about how he used to have all this ambition and he used to, you know, have all these things he wanted to do. And then he took acid, and then he came to India, and now he lives in a cave and he smokes marijuana to to because it makes the ambition go away. <sighs> Yeah. <laughs> right. It makes the ambition go away. Yeah. Listen, think... so, so as a Buddhist, no, I think he was he was a, a devotee of Shiva, but he, he thought oh, that, yeah. he thought that was a necessary part of his yoga. But he was kind right. of laughing when he said it, so I think you know. Oh well, that's good. He Half probably joking. wasn't. He probably wasn't taking it that seriously. Like he had to. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like everybody. But there's probably truth in it. Like I mean, yeah. I get that. For me, I, I get a little bit irritable. You know, and so then I I, I t- smoke some to take the edge off, but yeah, right. I think it's good when a woman's on her her moon cycle. It I don't know that's that's why it became legal in Amsterdam mm. too. You know, the queen liked to smoke it when she was on her moon cycle. So nice. Yeah, that's how it got. I didn't to realize be- they had a queen. Yeah, mm-hmm. I should I should know more about politics in other countries <laughs> and stop being such a a stereotypical American. <laughs> I'm not sure who's really. I mean, I know there are there is a royal family still acknowledged in Holland, but I'm not I'm not sure if it's still the if same kind power. of royal power. Yeah, system. I'm not sure how it works. Right. So, yeah, I but that probably heavily influenced it. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sure they're very involved in the politics about. if they're not ruling. Yeah. Yeah. I pulled up a model of the Koshas just a little bit ago, and mm-hmm. I'm looking at it and. This one, I mean, I think it's interesting to see the more modern takes because every time somebody, this is like watching the way the Bible changed, hmm. seeing the way that yoga terms and models and things like that get a little bit switched for the sake of being more comfortable for people mm-hmm. rather than, well, and it could be kind of a manipulative thing too for business because it's more comfortable then it'll get more people in the door. Right. Um, so this goes, it's like, a, it looks like a target, you know, and in the middle, it just says self. It doesn't say Brahman. It just says self. And then like outside that, then there's like Ananda Mayakosha, then, you know, the bliss body, then the Vijnana Mayakosha, the wisdom body, then Mana Mayakosha, the mind, and then Pranamaya, the, the energy of Chi, and then the Anamaya, the physical. So... Mm. This is like going inward because I guess like they're trying to think about that idea of turning the senses inward. Hmm. Yeah, I've, I've thought of it that way that the outer layer, the outermost layer, kosha, is the body. But mm-hmm. then, then, then by self, they mean Atman as opposed right. to Jim Bob. Yeah, exactly. They, uh, you know, that would be uh, Atman. That word <laughs> ego, that Latin word ego, which used to mean I. Has, yeah. has been turned into something else by Freud that means yeah. something other than I. Right. 
Right. And that's another thing that I think is a big deal. I really, I need to work my way up, I think, to getting into the position of being a stand-up comedian or something. Yeah. Because some of these things that we talk about in our society that we we shame each other on are just so, it's it's a ridiculous, like, mockery. Yeah. Of, of what We're parroting a misunderstanding of an yes, arcane way yeah. of looking at it that was just one guy's point of view who got popular because his uncle was rich or something, exactly. or, his, or his nephew was Edward Bernays. Yeah, I uh, know. Yeah, yeah. His, his nephew Edward Bernays also got inspiration. Yeah, to uh, do all types of other propaganda. Of yeah. course, yeah, um, yeah. Use the uh, use Freud's <laughs> understanding of human psychology against humanity. Yeah, yeah, and I mean they're both Zionists too. Yeah. Um, the thing is, is like Freud, though, we have to say, I mean, whether or not he really came up with this or a team of people came up with this, what he's talking about with the model of the self, it it really works well, but only if you've got all of the parts right. of that system that, you know, in grip, you have to have a grip on them. Otherwise, it's like it's it's a Frankenstein monster in its own kind of right. Where the way, you know, people are running around with the word ego and they're like, yeah. they're tagging each other with it or they're shaming each other about it. Yeah. And there's no way out of it. Nobody has like the keys to that, that room. They're just locking people in it. You know, I, they're locking I bring people's attention it. to that with third chakra yeah. work. Mm. That's where I talk about the ego <laughs> and how this is where the ego is. Okay, let's talk about that. You know, and, and mm -hmm. we're not we're not saying you know shame it. We're not saying That's make good. it make it the king. It's here below Anahata. So Anahata is superior to Manipura, just like love is superior to your opinion. And but they're all important and they all line up and they all you know are are necessary. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, but where would, that, where, would that put the, where would that put the superego? Well, the superego, from my understanding, is society. So, I mean, that p puts it in the shitter, personally. I think that it's an error to put the superego above the ego. Because hmm. then, then you're saying that, you know, everybody's society, the societal standard of, like, if you happen to live in the South, like, what church you go to, um, that's the superego. So, like, right. So that's, that's whatever, the, the collective ego. <clears throat> yeah, that's that's the unconscious superego though. There's actually a conscious superego, just like there's a conscious ego. Mm. And that's that's the interesting thing about Freud's model of the self. Um that there's just this wonderful diagram somebody did. They did an illustration and it's an iceberg. And it shows things that are under the water, the id and the superego and the ego to be the unconscious. So the Superego, or the id rather, which is inside of the ego on this on this illustration. Makes sense. It's always unconscious. It's down inside the ego, inside not only the ego, but inside the unconscious ego. Um, but once you can get a hold on all these things, they, they tend to stop um, governing the way that you're living your life anymore. Like the... That's, that reminds me what you were saying mm. earlier about the parasitic things. Oh yeah, that that's where they get you, is in mm -hmm. the in the things you're unconscious of that are going on on that level, kind of. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And when we're a child, that's very pronounced because we haven't we haven't been instilled with the superego's teachings yet. 
um, you know, the the shame or the or the that is not what anybody in their right mind does. Nobody exactly. does that. Yeah. Nobody nobody screams in the grocery store. I want that. I want that. I want that. Nobody does. Don't that. touch yeah. him. He has diseases. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Drop the quarter into the cup next time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and those things could turn into neuroses. That's true. I got pink eye, so I learned the hard way. Oh, no. (laughs) When I first started going out feeding homeless people, I was shaking all their hands. Hmm. Live and learn. Yeah, right. But then, you know, then we'd bring Purell for for them to use, too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anyway, sorry. (laughs) Derailed that one. That's okay. (laughs) It's all right. It's fun to... Do you know Scarlet Magdalene, a.k.a.? Yes, I do. <clears throat> Why I are mean, you laughing? Oh, no, no. I mean, I imagine she was probably peripherally involved with the... Oh, yes. And possibly... In- I don't think I met him. He sounds okay. familiar, okay. but I don't... He must have taken it. off. Maybe... Yes. Okay, yes. yeah. She's still a good friend. We can go into all of the forms of suffering, you know, that we're experiencing. And What are all the forms? So, the forms of suffering. So, we've got Asmita... So this is like the uh, five sufferings. Mm-hmm. So we have this asmita, which is ignorance. <clears throat> and then there is... Okay. I'm going... Oh, okay. I remember these from the Yoga Sutra. Yeah. So we have... Or sutras, mm-hmm. There's asmita, and then there's dvesha, which is uh, aversion or hatred. Um... Oh no, sorry. Asmita is actually um, Asmita is not ignorance. Asmita is is they call it ego, but it's a false it's a false sense of identity. Mm. So you can say false oh, ego, right? Know, Asmita, yeah. Um, so, or Freudian ego. Even. Yeah. Like I mean, because when they say ego, they're not saying self. If, yeah. If Atman I don't. Is something I think different using the word ego in this, honestly, I think it's incredibly destructive. Things. Yeah. yeah. Um it's like round peg square hole. Yeah, in a certain way. Yeah. I mean, you can jam it in there if you want, but it's not going to fill yeah. it properly. Right. You know, it's just going to you're still going to have these 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 questions that yet to be filled in about how yeah. asmita is not only that, but it is a byproduct of the mind. So, it's like I'm a doctor. Right. I'm Edward. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get fired. And then what are you now? Right. You know, so. Yeah. If you die, I'm not so-and-so's husband anymore. I'm not so-and-so's father. Okay. Wow. You're getting into too many sufferings now all at once. (laughs) (laughs) So um, Avnivesha is the fear of dying. So we'll get into that. (laughs) No, but when you die, you lose your sense of self. There's um, a a lot of sutras that talk about the in the the different kinds of Buddhist tells. Basically, it amounts to when you're clinging to your separate self. Yeah, well, the suffering, the separate sufferings act like a net. You know, they act like not Annette Funicello. They don't act like her, (laughs) but they act like a net. Live without a net. <laughs> so it's like so we've got the ignorance part. The um so avidya avidya is ignorance. Mm, I got plenty of that. You know? <laughs> yeah, we've all got a lot. Of that I run story. into that every there's, day. <laughs> there's always going to be some of that, you know. And yeah. there's and and on the counter to we, that, thank God, always going to be, be totally bored. Exactly, like we know everything. Avidya is awesome because yeah, you'll always realize something new. Yeah. A dog can make you realize something new. 
mm-hmm. a dog can freaking enlighten you. Yeah. You know, like that's what enlightenment is. It's just it's a revelation. It's so the other side of a smita is also or not a smita, but um a, a vidya. A vidya is vidya. So that would be yeah, oh, the, right, when it's eyes no longer a uh, and you now know it, it's like aha. It's right it's a revelation, which is what I I really feel like I'm kind of all about. I'm all about revelations. At, yeah. And bringing it to the light in a way that's much more holistic and has uh, not really anything to do with the Bible. It's yeah. just like, um, I mean, sure, the Bible mentions it, which is great, but boy, is that thing confused. It mentions a lot of other stuff, too. Yeah, it yeah. says a lot of things. It's like, Yeah, it's hard to be like, oh, yeah, just read the Bible, <laughs> except for the part about stoning people for right. being gay. Talking about the Bible is like, and, and and as if it's a credible resource, is often talking about it's like talking about a gossip, you know, as, yeah. as a news source, like for what you need to know how the world's, you know, going on. And the only reason why it's any different from referring to any other mythology or source book of a religion is because so many people are so, you know, locked into it still in our yeah. country or society oh, that okay. you have to clarify. Yeah. Like, I remember in uh, in English class, uh, my teacher had us reading the book of Job and she had to go on and on about how this isn't a religious thing she, that we're reading this as a literary work. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's hard to skirt that line. Right. So, and the, the five sufferings. So they're always going to be connected, though. Almost always. Like the... Um, so in English, they're ignorance... Uh, what, what are they? Ignorance. Um, a false sense of self. Mm. And then the other one is disgust or anger or hatred, aversion. Mm. And then there is fear of death. What is the fifth hmm. one? Yeah, they do seem to all go together, don't they? Yeah. Oh, the other one is, is um, just, I think it's just clinging, attachment. Because, I mean, fear of death implies a false understanding of self. Because if, if you told someone who was a total clean slate, you know, you're, you're absolutely one with everything, but... For a while, you're going to be separate, and it's going to be hard. You're going to work hard and take shits, mm-hmm. and it's going to last about seventy or eighty years. Yeah, they'd be like, "Well, gee, I can't wait till it's over." You know, yeah, <laughs> like, right. how, how long? Or, or they'd be like, "Okay, you know, that's fine. Look forward to when it's over." You know, but but once you're in it, once you've bought it, once you have have bought into the sense of separate self or the false self, the individual self as opposed to the universal self, then. Uh, yeah, fear of death just kind of is right around the corner. Right. You know? These are just, these are... And obsession with sex, too. Mm-hmm. Like, all of that stuff. And drugs. And, you know, to escape and, you know, go the wrong direction. Right. These are, like, the the, wink, the weak links in the psyche. Yeah. You know? And it's universal. It's not something that somebody's just often, you know, born totally not having any of these weak points. They're, right. they're all our little stumbling blocks. And, um... If, if like, you know, you're not able to, so the first blockage that is, like, the first suffering is a vidya. And so if you're not able to entertain the potential of being wrong, you're not going to be able to even um, look at what's going on with the rest of the, of the kleshas. Right. You know, so it's, that's pretty much why it starts with that. You know, it's like ignorance not knowing. And it's like now you know that there's a potential to not know. Just in case you I was, forgot. 
I grew up getting shamed for not knowing to the point where, mm -hmm. you know, you, you eventually shut up and just pretend you know. And then people humiliate you for pretending you know. They call you out on it. Right. You know, and then it's like, wow, you, you just can't win. You right. know, it's like every, everybody was made to feel like crap. And so they, they all insist on doing it to everyone else. Yeah, just just uh, recently, I think just this past year, I was contemplating on this, like how uh, it is to be in this human condition and have the... Um, have it forced upon us in society to make sense. Yeah. Everyone's like, you know, if you don't make sense, then you're going to look like an idiot. So you better just make sense of life. You better make sense of this, make sense of that. You know, yeah. and when, and in, and in doing that, you begin to subscribe to delusional mindsets. Right. Because you just will, will start to like, to just stubbornly, uh, assert that you were right and that you know, and even pretend to know to the point where you just kind of hypnotizing yourself into a state of delusion. Yeah. And it's very, 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 very common. And once you start to be able to uh, really get into all these different nuances of the human condition, it's like you can't stop knowing that. You get deep yeah. enough into knowing. It's like going down that rabbit hole. You can't pretend you never went down that rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. Can't unsee it. Mm -mm. You can not. Can you not? You cannot unknow it. <laughs> Once you transcend, you cannot untranscend. <laughs> exactly. It's like, you... What's the opposite of transcend? Yeah, there exactly. Is a point. Like... <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> That's what it is. Yes and no. <laughs> Trans and end. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's the end of the trance. Yeah. Exactly. Transcending is the end of the trance. Hey. There you go. That's very There's good. Something. I never really thought about it that. I, d I didn't sell it well, but... No, uh, I think that was perfect. Feel free to use that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to end the trance, transcend. <laughs> That's beautiful. I'll just say it. Transcend. <laughs> I didn't know it would be so easy. <laughs> Break fast, wait. <laughs> yeah, okay, so it's like, uh, yeah, we've got the ignorance, and then the ego, or the asmita. I see that just goes directly to ego. It has, it's, this is the easy answer to asmita. And you mm -hmm. can't do that with Sanskrit. Everybody can't copy each other if they're going to teach Sanskrit. They can't yeah. go to somebody else's English word and just copy that and look yeah. look um, like a scholarly source for this information that's being right. put out there. It's just, this is just parrot again, parrot talk. Yeah, <clears throat> it's like so. Smita can cause a yoga teacher to suffer. In that they are identifying as a yoga teacher. Mm. And if you cannot find teachers or students, then you start to wither <laughs> as a teacher. You that feel. is really good advice. Yes. So identifying as a teacher has destructive implications. That's great. Mm -hmm. Wow. And then, yeah, I mean, I... I oh, sorry. And then sorry, what, what ropes us into that is the next... The next one, this the, it goes straight into the next one, which is raga, or attachment. Mm -hmm. You're now attached to being a yoga teacher, and now you're attached to needing students. So it's like the the weight just gets heavier. Part of the theme of the oh, the overall theme of this podcast is what does it mean to be a yogi? Mm -hmm. uh, the description is Edward is a yoga teacher who aspires to be a yogi. So this gets kind of <laughs> kind of right at that. There you go. Is, uh, yeah. 
is I'm so I'm currently self-identifying as a yoga teacher, and I feel bad when I don't have students. And I hope one day that I'll transcend that and be a yogi, <laughs> <laughs> who still is a yoga teacher by trade. <laughs> I made a video on it's YouTube where I said that I'm quitting teaching. Nice. And I was just, I don't know, I'm looking so goofy in it. I'm just like staring at the camera and I'm like, I'm quitting, but I will finish this with, with a healing I will send out now to you all. And I just like stare at the camera and it's, like, <laughs> and it's a really, really intense, like freaky stare. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but you didn't quit. No. I can't stop you teaching quit, because I just... You quit self-identifying. I perpetually teach. Yeah, I did. I just stopped identifying. That was the... That was that's the such good advice. And that's one of those parasitic things that, like, like just now you healed me of because I didn't realize that I was doing that until you, you put it that way. And I realized, wow, that's the source of a lot of suffering that I just carry. <laughs> I just walk around yes, carrying this go. whole sense of, gee, I hope this whole scheme works to be a yoga teacher, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Hooray! I'm so happy for you. I can just be. Yes. yes you <laughs> I don't even have to be Edward. <laughs> yeah, you don't. Oh, uh, good. One of my one of my friends slash students slash slash associates slash fellow divine beings the other day named me Maya. So I have another name. Yeah, yoga Maya sounds like Maya anyway, but she didn't know about Yoga Maya. She was just like, I think I'm going to call you Maya. I haven't been going by Yoga Mai yet. I have just been going by Catherine Russ. Do you want to start going by Yogi Mai? No, not if nobody can pronounce it right. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, I'll call you Catherine Russ. Yeah. So how about that name? Your birth name, Catherine. Yeah, that's fine. What does it mean? Oh, it means pure. Okay. But it also associates to St. Catherine of, I think, Aragon or something like that. Or is that it sounds Saint? familiar. She, uh, Catherine of the Wheel. Oh, she broke the wheel. Yeah. She was the one that everybody thinks isn't real. She, uh, the, 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 she got all the smart people together and convinced them that Christianity was real. And then they put her on a wheel and she broke it. it was, is that the same person? Yes. She was really intelligent, and she blew blew away everyone from Catherine all the different of Alexandria. religions. Alexandria. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I love her. I mean, I'm really am very happy that um, my name is associated to her because I feel, yeah. I feel kind of like that. Yeah, it's powerful. Yeah. What about Russ? Um, that is a anglicized version of Orosh from Romania. Oh, cool. And, uh, yeah, so my family immigrated from Romania in the 20s. Um, it's been said that I'm related to Catherine Cargiga, hmm. uh, who is, uh, her, her maiden name was Credulesco, so she was a princess, Catherine, uh, Katrina Cargiga Credulesco. She, uh, was said to be related to Dracula, but... I don't know if that's exactly true. So I can't completely... So the name was Orosh? How do you spell that? O-R-O-S. I think I've got a lot of Greek in my family. And um, mm -hmm. I've looked at, actually, that it could mean mountain in Greek. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, like ore, like iron ore, yeah. or gold ore. Yeah, and in Spanish it would be more like gold. Like oro is like gold. Um, and I've also sure. heard that it... it 
relates to the Basque region of Spain or oh, Orozco. Cool. Yeah. I have a friend who's from there. There's there's supposedly Atlantean. Hmm. I mean, according to a friend of mine who's into all that stuff. I see. Edgar Casey and whatnot. Well, there's definitely something interesting about that little tiny region of Spain. It's yeah. like it's there's an isolation there, you know. I don't know. I don't understand it, but it's like there's a language isolation and it's ancient, but yeah. Yeah. It's it's very interesting. For people who are starting out, who are just kind of getting barely interested in yoga, um, how how would you say like t- that would be a good way to get started? Um, identifying or seeing seeing if they have any of these like unconscious parasites, like what we were talking about. Well, I think diet really does help with that to help clear your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so trying a fast, um, I think doing the anti-inflammatory fast is a really good idea. It's not very, how does that one go? So you have to take out all the foods in the diet that, that could cause inflammation potentially. So it doesn't even necessarily have to mean that you have to go vegetarian, although that's definitely a huge recommendation. But um, you can try the anti-inflammatory one first to see what might be um, causing you difficulties in at least assimilating your food and your nutrients properly. Right. And so you would be cutting out things that are in the nightshade family like potatoes, tomatoes, eggplants. Um, You'd also cut out peanuts. What about the more metaphorical parasites? So the more metaphorical ones... For instance, I've been dealing with women lately a lot who have been dealing with like potentially succubus energies, Lilith energies, things like that, which are like really troublesome mm-hmm. and give you night terrors and make you feel sick, make you end up getting into violating situations like like acquaintance rapes or date rapes or just like straight up rape, you know, things that are really violating. Uh, Or you feel like you're in a constant cycle where, like, you're getting a lot of uh, negative male attention you don't want, but it keeps happening. Um, Or you just end up being promiscuous and stop caring. Your standards just all go down the drain, and you don't have any um, any boundaries anymore. And you keep people tell themselves they're sexually liberated, and they're just being promiscuous. Things like that. We're just doing these things with our bodies, and our our, we're, our bodies are taking a toll. But we've simply stopped caring. It's really hard to actually get there, though, and be like, "Wait, maybe something's wrong," because usually you're so deep into it at that point. Right. So this would probably fall under the heading of the niyama brahma or the yama brahmacharya, mm-hmm. like people who um, the, the which is basically be wise about your sexual energy. Yeah. Yeah, keep all of your affairs in order, so to speak, I've heard, is another way of of talking about that. You know, if you feel like it's it's necessary for you to just have random casual sexual encounters with people, it's probably because you've got something going on in you that really is enjoying feeding upon lustful vibrations. Right. And you might be getting a lot of pleasure out of it, too, because... You, for sure, this thing is right up in your pleasure center. It's in your core, and it's actually messing with your nervous system. Hmm. Yeah. So, in this example, do you think that that would be a physical parasite or like an astral parasite? Or what are we? 
Uh, I mean, when it comes to being promiscuous. Well, yeah, like um, the the need to like if if there's something attached to you that it itself is feeding off of what you're what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like um, I, you were saying that it, it wants be, you to behave this. It way. could be both ways. I think it could be you know perhaps strains of of bacterias and viruses or, yeah. or VDs that you get that can also like have an astral implication or a vibrational um, right. kind of like counterpart to it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, that, that can happen. I mean, some people have been, you know, have been reported as being, for instance, unable to get herpes, you know, for in a certain, for a certain reason, you know, where it's like, they don't really quite know, but yeah, this person's had sex unprotected with people who have herpes and they never got it and they've tested negative. How does that happen? Well, they're not vibrating with it. Hmm. Yeah, it's like they're somehow able to to escape the vibration of it. Very interesting. Yeah. Huh. So there's, I think it goes both ways. Yeah. I think a person that you think I think you could even pick up a spirit attachment completely spiritually by having sex with somebody. Yeah, the human mind is so complex uh, that we've convinced ourselves that we are all special and different from each other. And uh, I think a main defense I end up getting from a lot of people when I am um, talking about common human sufferings is you don't know me. Right. You know, it's like you don't know where, where I've been or who I am or what I've been with or what I've experienced, you know, and it's like, Basically defending their separate self. Exactly. Defending the <clears throat> that breakage. They're defending the breaking points. Yeah. As if and I've I've made fun of this since I was like probably like twelve, you know, that people often have this weird attitude, like every scar I have makes me who I am today. You know? Yeah. And it's like you don't need that. That's that's totally arbitrary. Yeah, you can let go of scars. Yeah. It's not going to hurt you. That's interesting. And uh, the forgiveness is for you. And that's why it is. Because, you know, even if somebody else hurt you terribly or they did something out of complete ignorance that has altered you forever, you have to forgive them so you can move forward. Totally. You know, otherwise it's like, that person who hurt me, I always want to go back and just like, just physically... Like, I want to cut his face. You know, you like you just start thinking all of these terrible things. Every time I go on the freeway. Yeah, you know? whatever it is. You know, it's like, yeah, we have to work <laughs> on ironing those things out. You know, it's like, it's eating you up inside, man. <laughs> yeah. And posture. And it, there's like the, 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 the posture of depression. Yeah. There's like a very specific posture where yoga just kind of like breaks the cycle, right? In the, where, where it's... The body, because you're telling the body to get into a confident uh -huh. position. Yeah, power posing has become like yeah. has become part of it. And that that should be yeah, acknowledged. The, the life hack. That should be acknowledged as a yoga. A lot of things that totally. are being called life hacks should be mm -hmm. acknowledged as yogas. Oh yeah. Yeah, those are yogas, and you know, being more of a of a sufficient and autonomous and upright and healthy person, that's all yoga. You know, yeah. like that's, it doesn't all have to be Swedish gymnastics, people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, we like that stuff. It feels good and it's fun and we get fit from it and everyone loves it and sex is good. Yay. But but there's a glass ceiling. Exactly. There's a glass ceiling. And I've yeah. seen so many famous like hotshot yoga teachers who hurt themselves. They bang themselves up because they've done all six series of Ashtanga now and like they've really like they're so ripped and they're just like constantly like going at it, you know, teaching people how to be, like, the most hardcore. And then it's, like, it only goes so far until, like, okay, now I have blown out my knees and I better take some time doing restorative yoga for maybe a few years. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's probably why we've invented all these other extreme opposites to the power yoga. So we have power yoga and then what came up, you know, about 10, 15 years later uh, yin yoga, restorative yoga, you know? Yeah. As I wonder why that happened. Yeah. I just did some Kriya followed by Hatha last night. It was really nice. I was, I swear my body started releasing chemicals. It hasn't released before. Awesome. I love doing Kriyas because it's always a wonderful way to give you a platform to observe yourself and your attitudes and where you're at. It's, to me, it's like it's like taking the thermometer and dipping it in the swimming pool and being like, okay, yeah. now I know. <laughs> now I know what's been going yeah. on. Yeah, I feel like I need to do more. I mean, I I, I feel like there was there was some uh, some issues in my uh, like my left hamstring that all the yoga that I had been doing up to this point like hadn't hadn't taken care of, but just those few kriyas took care of. Yeah, it's wonderful how it'll work out stuff that's just kind of making you feel like, oh, what am I going to do with this? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then it's like, Until oh, someone gone. tells you, okay, yeah. use the breath of fire and keep holding. And you're like, okay. And like, wow, it went away. Mm-hmm. Cool. Didn't know I could do that. Yeah. I noticed that, well, about a couple of years ago, I was really working on just kicking up with both feet into a handstand. It was, it was really feeling, getting tricky for me. I was like, okay, why am I scared? of doing both legs at once instead of one at a time. And then instead of like having to force myself into just doing it, which I did a few times, which was still awkward and still felt like really like a forced and like, uh, you know, type of situation. Mm -hmm. I just did like Kriyas for about two or three weeks. And then all of a sudden I had all this extra power and there was, Mm. there was so much more energy. The, The impulse of fear was completely just overridden. It was just like, it was just, you know what would I what would I say like a very small little rock in in a in a parking lot and everything's just getting paved over it didn't even it wasn't even noticeable hmm. you know it was just like oh yeah that thing that blocked me what, what was that you know where did that go yeah <laughs> nice mm-hmm. yeah I think I'm going to increase my Kriya work for sure well thank you for joining us on the To Be a Yogi podcast today thank you so much for having me Edward. And thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. It's yeah, like long like... overdue because like I've been seeing you there on the interwave, intertubes for a long time. Yeah, right. And I knew that we were like from the same tribe. So mm-hmm. I, I knew eventually we'd talk, but, you know, I'm glad to finally get to it. Yes. All right. We'll talk another time. Yeah, we'll totally. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll talk Have a good more. night. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, Catherine, for being our guest on the To Be a Yogi podcast tonight. Thank you to Brian Dahl, and that's spelled B-R-Y-I-N-D-A-L-L, for the music you're hearing right now. 
Be sure to check out the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Search for Edward Reeb Yoga. If you are local to Los Angeles, you can use that app to book an appointment with me within 15 minutes. You want me to teach you a yoga class 15 minutes from now? Push a button. Walk through the door. The class begins. I'll see you then. And if nothing else, it'll look really cute on your phone. Namaste. Thank you.